everybody. Welcome to the Asking for a Frame podcast. I'm William Colley, your executive pastor and your host, and I'm joined by your lead pastor, Benjamin Kempfer. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. And I want to say, hey, thanks for everybody listening to this. Uh, this is our final week for this specific rendition of Asking for yep. a Week podcast. And to give you a heads up, um, we've kind of been polling some audiences to say, what do you think uh, we should do going forward? Should we continue it? Should we not continue? We'd love your feedback on that. Definitely. Um, but I think we've come to some conclusions. So why don't you to give everybody like a little preview of where we've landed, at least for the next uh, next few months or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, this past Sunday was our last week of the In My Feelings series, so we're gonna we're gonna stop this specific run of asking for a friend, and we're starting a new series this Sunday called JC in the OT. That's Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Yeah, in pretty, case you didn't know. Yeah, we did a we did a similar series a couple years ago, which we're really excited to kind of revisit that. Um, so we're looking to probably drop a midweek podcast in the middle of that series or so, um, kind of drop one in here and there, um, but not do it on a weekly basis. But we're definitely excited to keep it going. Um, appreciate all you guys listening, uh, rating the podcast, getting the word out. Um, we're excited to keep it going. Yep. It's still going to be asking for a friend because we want you to ask because we know that in any question in life, it can be difficult to ask for yourself. So ask for a friend about questions in the Bible. And especially as we get uh, in this next series, the Old Testament, there's a lot of questions. Questions, a lot of confusion. Oh, yeah. uh, so we're we're not going to say exactly when we're going to drop that, but we're going to be polling you for questions, and so continue to send those in. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about that series. Um, all right, so before we jump into today's content, this episode is sponsored by Registers Smoke Sausage, <laughs> Smoke Pork Sausage, Smoke, smoke Pork. Okay. Hashtag God's me. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate our sponsor today holding it down and uh, supplying our sausage needs. All around the southeast. Hey, got to feed those gains, son. Get that protein in. <laughs> All right. So um, actually, this first question, it's it's a little bit different. Um, we brought it up a couple weeks ago, um, and we said we were going to get to it. Uh, it's pretty complicated, um, and it kind of took us a little while to do some research on it and, and uh, kind of gather some thoughts around it. Um, but it's this, uh, the subject of divorce and of remarriage. Yeah, so uh, we had a question a couple of weeks ago that was, I'm divorced, I have you know someone that I'm seeing, and I'm not really sure where I land on the, what should I do, should I remarry, yeah. does that mean I'm single for a long time? And half of this was to try to figure out, man, how do we even want to tackle this subject? Because it is such a huge, broad, complex subject, um, subject. and one of the things that's, I think, really interesting about uh, the idea of divorce from marriage, as you said, one is it's not a question. It's two questions. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of conversation around biblical grounds for divorce, and there's a lot of conversation around biblical grounds for remarriage, and mm. people fall all over the map. And one of the things, uh, you know, kind of to set the stage a little bit, that's really interesting, I think, about this subject is people in similar theological camps very greatly on where they fall on this, which really? is different. Yeah. yeah, it's different than most Bible subjects. Um, most times it's influenced and informed by how you interpret Scripture, the authority that you have of Scripture, um, <clears throat> a whole lot of other different thoughts and ideas in a, system, in a systematic thought that um, kind of make up what your theology is. Uh, and oftentimes everybody in the same theological camp will have the same view on, um, you know, 
a whole lot of different stuff. Limited atonement, right? People are going to sure. have yeah. uh, all the Reformed people are going to have different thoughts than the Arminius, but people from uh, the same theological camp can have varying in reviews and or thoughts on this. So it's it's really interesting because it's one of the few subjects in Christianity where uh, theology has its place in it, but you can have alignment with a lot of the theological ideas, but very differing views on how this actually plays out in practice. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, uh, as we've talked about it, I mean, it's it's just so many elements to it and just so yep. many so facets to... Um, it's nuanced as the yeah, day Yeah, grounds long. for divorce, you know, all sorts of different things and remarriage and all that stuff. So, um, all right, well, let's jump in. What are kind of the, the starting point kind of discussions of... Uh, uh, for Divorce and remarriage. Yeah, so here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to answer this question. I want to give, um, first, what is marriage? Because okay. in order to understand divorce, you got to understand marriage. Uh, beyond that, I want to give um, some general thoughts and guidelines. And then what I actually want to do is give a resource for anybody who wants to really take this subject deeper. There's no way we can fully vet all of the information and all the sides and all the arguments. Sure. People have written you know, long, comprehensive books on both sides yeah. or on all the sides, not just two sides. So um, to start off, I had to say marriage uh, established in Genesis is uh, this idea that it's not simply a um, legal binding agreement. Um, Genesis 2, you know, God creates uh, man, he creates woman, he creates them to be one. Uh, he uh, defines this relationship, this coming together, this marriage as a covenantal relationship, which is different. Yeah. Um, it's not, it, it is binding, it is legal, but it's different than, okay, I'm going to, you know, opt out of my lease on my house or something like that. Sure. Um, it is a covenantal spiritual arrangement and engagement. And so two people get married together. And so then the question is, well, what happens when that no longer exists, when they, when they get a divorce or what are the grounds for that? Um, and so to begin to answer that question, the truth is, um, there's about four different ideas or explanations people will give for divorces. And so let me kind of go through the, the different thoughts in varying degrees of um, how, I don't know, debated they are, I okay. guess. Yeah. So one that virtually everybody agrees on is unanimous uh, in virtually all camps is um, you can, if, if your partner dies, if your husband dies, if your wife dies, mm-hmm. uh, you can get remarried and death breaks the covenantal agreement. You can then get remarried as on, on the back end of that. So um, not a lot of debate on that. If, if, if you're looking for a uh, verse, uh, Romans 7 talks about that. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about that. It's basically remarriage is permissible without sin for a believing widow or widower uh, if the marriage is without uh, another believer or with mm-hmm. another believer. I'm sorry. Um, so the second one, uh, that has a little bit of nuanceness to it is, uh, divorce of an unbelieving spouse, um, because the unbelieving spouse will not stay married to the believing spouse, which is not, okay, I'm a believer, not a believer. Let's get divorced. It's if the unbelieving spouse says, because you're a believer, I want a divorce or I'm leaving you or, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, now, there again is a lot of conversation around that and how that looks and what that looks like. Um, but there's, uh, you know, grounds basically for divorce. That's in first Corinthians seven as well. Uh, that gives some thoughts towards that. Um, the third in the idea of it is this idea of, um, adultery. So 
Jesus, Matthew 5 and uh, Matthew 19, talks about this, and he kind of gives a uh, exception clause in, in both Mark and Luke. Mark and Luke both say, if you get a divorce, you know, it's sin. If you remarry, it's adultery. That's just kind of the point blankness. They don't have any exception clause. Well, Matthew in 5 and 19 both give exception clauses and basically say in, uh, in the case of adultery. Now, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but let me explain yeah. why there's so much controversy around this thought. Um, it's highly uh, interpretive as to where you fall because the word that they would normally use for uh, adultery in the Greek language um, is a word called moihaya. We don't really get into a lot of Greek word studies, but it's called moihaya. Uh, and mm, the sounds word like, sounds like Moana. Yeah, it actually, it, there's some like throatness in it. It's moihaya. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of like Moana. Anyway, um, but that's not the word that he uses. He words this. He uses this word pornea, mm. uh, and it's kind of where we get the current word pornography. So that's why a yeah. lot of translations will actually say sexual immorality yeah. because it's not the ex- the explicit used word for adultery. Some will interpret that as adultery. So people are all over the map on how they interpret that, where they interpret that, why they interpret that, and what that means, and how that gives ground for for divorce. Yeah. Um, so some folks interpret that, and they say it's more of a premarital. Uh, there's a there they had a different culture, so that was more of a a fornication before marriage for people that were um, engaged, which they would have used the phrase divorce in that culture in that term. Um, See Jesus in uh, the early chapters of Matthew, Jesus or Mary. Uh, Joseph was planning to divorce Mary before they were married. So that's kind of a um, case study for that. Anyway, so there's a lot of thoughts of of what that means, what that looks like and how people fall. And the last one is abuse. So the fourth one is abuse. Mm. Uh, some people will use some of the First Corinthians 7. Some people will use some of the Matthew 5 and Matthew 19 uh, to substantiate that. And some people will use some extra, not extra biblical, but, but text outside that okay. have inferences to how you are to deal with persecution, how you are to deal with um, basically people being harmed. Now, a couple caveats in this. One, specifically in terms of abuse, there is universal agreement. If there is abuse going on, get out and get out now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the separation or the, disti- the distinction that they'll make is between separation and divorce. And so that's kind of the question hmm. when it comes to abuse. It's not, hey, you know, let's take just a classic example, right? A husband is abusing their wife. Uh, physically, especially, uh, it's not a question of should you stay and should you just be somebody's punching bag and let your kids be subject to that type of violence. Absolutely not. Get out. Get out now. Uh, if they're a Christian, talk to the pastors. Talk to the elders. We'll have a deal to do with the church. Also, we'll talk to the authorities and make sure you you get help. Um, but the separation between uh, the idea of do you just separate in perpetuity? Uh, until perhaps that person is repentant or and changed, or is it that you actually get divorced? And so again, people from all over the map will fall on all kinds of different uh, spectrums on each of those subjects, which makes it really difficult. And then <laughs> let's say you have the grounds for biblical divorce. There's a whole nother debate, which is while your spouse is still alive, just because you had grounds for biblical divorce doesn't mean that the covenantal idea is ruined until the person gets, uh, until one of you dies. So do you actually then have biblical grounds for remarriage? Yeah. So it's pretty complicated is what you're trying to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, But I've got a resource. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad. 
Yeah. So <laughs> if you know me well, then you know that instead of telling people exactly what to think, what I love to do is help people to learn how to think, how to study, how to understand uh, your educated folks so you can come to your conclusions. And I love just the pursuit of knowing how to know and knowing yeah. how to think. Um, so let me recommend a book for anybody who hears all that. And you're, some of you are thinking, man, that was a ton. And I am so uninterested and I can't wait till the next <laughs> question. Cause that was terrible. And some of you are thinking, wow, I really want to know more. Um, so if you do, here is a book that I would recommend uh, to you. It's, it's super interesting. It's called divorce and remarriage for Christian views, divorce and remarriage for Christian views. Okay. Um, here's, here's the basic outline for the book. And here's why I think it's a really fascinating book. In fact, in studying for this and thinking through this, I had plans and intentions to read this book and was reminded of it and thought, man, I need to go ahead and order yeah, this book. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Um, for Christian views. So they have one person who has a view that there is, there's never grounds for divorce. You just, it shouldn't happen unless somebody dies, you know, you never get divorced. Yeah. The second view is there are biblical grounds for divorce, but not ever biblical grounds for remarriage unless the person dies. Hmm. The third view is there are biblical grounds for divorce, and if you have those biblical grounds for divorce, there are biblical grounds for remarriage. And there's a fourth option, which is divorce is generally bad, and it's not good, but it's okay to get remarried and it's a little bit more of mm-hmm. a uh, liberal, I guess, view on all that. Now here's what's cool about the book. They have a scholar from each one of those perspectives, write a paper, um, basically a position paper on this mm-hmm. is what, this is why this is the biblical support for it. They then have each of those authors create a case study for that. So here's, here's a real world example of how this is played out. But the really cool part about it is then they have each of the other three scholars and the other three camps write a response in their critique of what that author wrote. Wow, so yeah. you really get a full view of here's all the perspectives, here's all the thoughts, here's all the pros to it and all the cons to it. And so, again, that book uh, is called Marriage and Divorce um, for oh, – let me look it up again. I'm sorry. I, I put it down. Divorce and Remarriage for Christian Views. Divorce and mar- Remarriage for okay, Christian great. Views. Okay, great. Yeah, and we'll link that in the description as well. So if anybody's interested – um, you guys can check that out. Yeah. And, um, obviously this is super complicated. <laughs> um, it's probably more divisive and more avenues of, you know, where people stand than, than most topics, but we thought it was, we thought it was important enough, um, that we needed to talk about it and to address it. And so appreciate you, uh, kind of hitting on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And, and if anybody has any questions, follow up, then feel free to email us. Questions at DCZTally or Ben at DCZTally.com. You're welcome to email me. Definitely. can shoot you some more links and some more information, but it's yeah. a very fascinating subject. Yeah, and and as as believers, we're always looking to grow. We're always looking to, to learn, and we want our church to be be the same way, you know, is to constantly be growing and learning. And, I mean, if you're interested, if your parents have been divorced, if you have been divorced, um, like, hey, if you're, if you're counseling a friend that's been divorced mm-hmm. or a family member, like, do some research on it, do some reading on it, and come to an opinion on your on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, real quick, we have uh, two other questions I want to get to um, before we run out of time here. Um, So the first question is, what should you do if everything seems right, but the timing isn't? So you... um, you know, you meet somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, man, this perf- person is perfect. They seem like the, <laughs> the person that I should be with, but the timing is just off. Yeah. So 
this question is a good question and it has some assumptions under it. So let me uh, tell you the assumptions that I'm not making on this first. Um, good call. One is I'm assuming that this does not mean that the person has decided uh, from I think week two or three in the sermon or in the series that I need to take a year off from dating because okay. uh, yeah. if 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 the timing's not right you've taken a year off and it's like oh but I really like this person like hey that's great <laughs> you still need to take a year off yeah. in fact that's probably what's going to happen is you're going to meet the person of your dreams month three right. and think dang it um, the second assumption that I'm assuming is this isn't long distance we answered that last week that it's not just a I live in this place, they live in that place, yeah. you know, kind of, I don't know how it works out. Um, and so the assumption that I'm making to answer this question is that it's a stage of life issue, hmm. right? Uh, I have graduated and I'm in the working world. They're not, they're in school. Um, <clears throat> we're about to graduate and we're going to move to different cities and it just, we like each other a lot, but the stage of life just yeah. doesn't seem like it's working out um, in the timing wise. So with that, there's, there's a couple things that I would say. Um, number one is you don't have to make a decision. And what I mean by that is you can be romantically interested in someone and not date them and see how things play out. Yeah. Like you don't have to, to tie yourself with a relational title to create that uh, sense of we're boyfriend, girlfriend, dating type thing. Um, again, we talked about long distance stuff last week. So uh, if, if it's, if it is a, we're considering doing this and going long distance. And I'd say, again, listen to, I think it was the last question yeah, of last week's segment. So, yeah. um, and so the last thought about this is um, really <clears throat> at its core, you're trying to discern God's will, hmm. right? Like, should I date this person? Is this a wise decision? Is this perhaps what God has for me um, to go in and through? If I feel like, you know, perhaps this is it. And uh, we, we talked about this maybe a year ago in church, but let me give you the really, really quick decision-making tree that I would use for this. Okay. Um, number one is God's word. So does this line up with God's word? If this person, for instance, is it a Christian, for the sure. answer's no. Um, question number two uh, in that is uh, what I would call the advisor question. It's God's people. Mm-hmm. So God, you know, there's, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. Uh, Proverbs speak, speaks uh, pretty exhaustively about that. But yeah. talk, talk to your advisors, the people who know you the best, who understand you the best, who are going to speak the most uh, and the clearest truth and biblical wisdom uh, into it. And so I would talk to them and say, hey, do you think it's wise for me to pursue this? And the last one is God's peace, um, which is, I call this the um, in bed at night test. In other words, <laughs> you're laying in bed at night, Um, It's just you and God and nobody else is around and you're being really honest with yourself. Do you feel like this is what God has called you to? Hmm. Do you really have a peace about this? Or is this this sense of inward tension that I, you know, I want to, but I just don't think it's right. And I think that as you're trying to figure out timing, super nuanced, lots of options, lots of things, lots of ways and places that you're going in life. Um, But I would say be prayerful about it. And as you pray about it, look for God's peace. seek counsel from God's people. And as always look to God's word. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that come to my mind is like, man, you can be friends and still like, you know, being romantically interested in somebody really, or think like, Hey, there, there, there's potential here in this relationship and just to be friends with them and hang out in groups and, um, not feel like you have to kind of rush into things. Um, but yeah, you know, using that, using that test, man, if those three align, you know, you, uh, things will work out. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Last question before we got to roll. Um, what if you meet someone you're romantically interested in, but they aren't a Christian? Is that bad? 
Um, to the well, to answer the question, is it bad? I'd say no. It's not bad. It's normal to have attraction and have romantic attraction to people. So, am I being attracted to someone? Is that bad? No. Um, should you pursue that? No. So is it bad to pursue it? The answer would be, yes, it's bad to pursue yeah. it, but it's not bad. You're not inherently evil for feeling a natural sense of attraction. Um, now, this is a uh, good thought because usually when you're romantically attracted to somebody, it's it's you care about them, right? There's uh-huh. a sense of like, oh, what if the missionary dating what if god's using me to bring them closer to him Classic. and yeah I, I always wanted to make a christian t-shirt that said um missionary dating uh saving the world one girl at a time <laughs> or dating one girl at a time anyway um youth, <laughs> minist- youth ministry days when you used to be able to do that kind yeah of stuff. exactly um but here, here's what i'd say uh if it is somebody that you're friends with and you have a romantic attraction to and they're not a Christian uh, and you still feel a sense that like you should be in their life or maybe that it's unavoidable that they're in your life, they're in your classes, they're in your friend group, it's something like that. Um, what I would say is just be very, very, very wise about it because you care about that person. You want that person to come to church. Uh, you want that person to come to know Jesus, but it's easy to... Um, in trying to help that person uh, see Jesus uh, become really overly emotionally attached. Uh, Proverbs talks and says, guard your heart. Uh, In fact, he says, above all else. In other words, Solomon gave tons of great wisdom in the book of Proverbs. He says, man, above everything else, above everything I've said, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And so I think they're probably in that space needs to be accountability. There needs to be somebody that knows that you have this level of attraction. Uh, You need to have really clear boundaries and outspoken boundaries with that accountability person. I'm not going to do this. I'm only going to hang out with them so much. I'm only going to text them so much. I'm only going to, you know, hang out with her at these times, things like that. And so um, I'd say there there needs to be really clear boundaries. There needs to be honesty and transparency and accountability um, if that person's unavoidable. But for the most part, I would say God can use a lot of people to get them to come to know him. So don't feel like you're the only option. Yeah, exactly. If if it's above all else, guard your heart. Right. Man, if you need to not have any relationship with that person, like that's okay because you're protecting yourself. You right. Know? Um, and, and there's a big difference between being infatuated with somebody and loving somebody, you yeah. know? And so, yeah. um, you know, if you're infatuated, if you're, um, lusting after them, then, uh, that's, that's, that's not good. Right. Um, <laughs> but you, you don't have to pursue that relationship just because you're physically attracted to somebody. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times though, like I'm physically attracted to them. I think they're cool, like, or whatever. Um, we think we have to pursue that when that's not, that's not the case. We don't have to. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think just to, to end on that, um, like you said, it, he, he said it above all else. In other words, um, <clears throat> there's not going to be a time where I don't think we're going to get to heaven and Jesus was, it would say, Oh my gosh, like I was, my plan was for salvation for this person, but, um, you didn't do it because you were trying to guard your heart and make sure you're wise about your spirituality. You know, he's not going to be like, dang yeah, it, yeah. or else they were going to get saved. So just kind of to put you at rest, the world doesn't rest on your shoulders. So don't sure. feel like it has to. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, that concludes the uh, season one of Asking for a Friend. Ah, season one, that's what we're calling it? Like <laughs> we're calling it, it man. Like it. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. We are we enjoyed it. We hope you guys did too. Um, as always, uh, we would love for you to rate us on iTunes, uh, 
Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on. And we hope to see you on Sunday at Downtown Community Church. JC and the OT people, get ready. All right, see you guys.